Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Welcome to the bigger picture. I'm Ahmad Akta. On today's edition, we're going to be talking all things Australia with Kyle Rodder, who's a senior financial market analyst at Capital.com. Kyle, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Now, Kyle, first and foremost, let's talk some trade data. Australia's trade data came out last week. A trade surplus in October widened to just over $7 billion Aussie dollars, but missed Reuters poll estimates of about $7.5 billion. What does this suggest about the health of the economy? Well, I suppose it shows once again, and Australia often gets caught in this situation of maybe a somewhat two-tier economy emerging where um, we're still seeing some strength in terms of our export markets, but domestic demand is softening and Obviously, we saw some signs of that in recent data around GDP and retail sales as, as well. So, mm. I mean, fortuitously and almost mysteriously in a way, uh, we, we've seen you know really strong iron ore prices uh, persist. The trade surplus remains reasonably ample, albeit you know, obviously lower than expectations. It was higher than a month prior. Um, and that's continuing to really support our national income and, and our economy, um, especially amidst, you know, obviously, what's been a lower Australian dollar too up until recently. So... I mean, the market's kind of shrugged, shrugged the data off itself, but it continues just to tell that story where our export markets continue to fuel, you know, reasonably strong economic activity, at least in some sectors of, uh, of the economy. Yeah, you touched on the Aussie dollar there, so let's move on to that next. Now, last week, the AUD-USD soared to a 19-week high at about 0.67, only to plummet about 1.5% to close at about 0.66. Now, obviously... A lot of factors at play this week that might determine uh, the trajectory of the AUD-USD. Among them, we have US CPI numbers, the FOMC meeting, but also this Thursday's Australian jobs report for November. Expectations on how that might influence the Aussie dollar? I think it'll be largely secondary to, to the US dollar story. Mm-hmm. Mostly, you know, if you do look at um, you know the rally that we've seen in the Aussie, it's by virtue of two things. One... Um, a big drop in, in the USD, and as you'd be well aware, and everyone listening would be well aware, it's that story around peak interest rates and slowing growth mm. and rate cuts next year from, from the Fed. Um, and there was some very extreme bearish positioning in the Aussie dollar, which meant that we saw this you know, really kind of face-ripping rally uh, in the Aussie USD um, over the course of, the, of a few weeks. There is the interesting dynamic, however, that rate differentials seem to be a, a factor in the, the story too. And if you do look at the way rates markets have been shifting over November, there isn't in the price right now, but it has been at different stages, still the prospects of another rate uh, hike from, from the RBA. Obviously, our rates are much lower compared to the rest of the world. Um, and you know, potentially too, even if we don't get further rate uh, hikes, that the aggressiveness of rate cuts next year, which of course have been priced in, effectively around the globe, um, not least uh, the United States, isn't really manifesting quite as aggressively in Australia. So that's been a bit of a tailwind to, to, to the Aussie, um, as well as those technical factors. It has to be said to the iron ore prices being supportive. But as you alluded to, um, it's, it's very much hinging on this kind of US CPI and uh, US Fed story, because ultimately I think it'll be you know, US dollar strength or weakness that'll you know, drive the trend in the Aussie from here. All right. So are we still expecting a positive outlook for the AUD heading into next year then? I think ultimately, yes, on the basis that I think the markets are really locked in on this peak rate story in the US and, you know, the timing of Fed cuts next year. And again, you know, really what we're looking at at the moment when it comes to the Aussie domestic story is whether the RBA has the ability to to end up rate hikes here. And it very much hinges on that CPI release that we'll get in January and whether by, you know, the CPI number will come down 
to sort of levels that the RBA has recently projected in its statement of monetary policy, which isn't guaranteed. It's about 4.5% that their forecasts were. So really, I think there's there's the capacity here, especially with sentiment turning in, in global markets, um, that the Aussie can sort of run higher into the end of the year and the start of next year. Notwithstanding, there will be some speed bumps, I think, going into next year once we get this kind of recession story coming through the markets, which, of course, is what rates markets are pricing in. All right, let's talk interest rates now. You briefly mentioned the RBA there. Now, they, of course, during the meeting last Tuesday, the final one for the year, maintained the cash rate at a 12-year high of 4.35%, anticipated by most economists. In explaining the decision, the RBA cited a broader downtrend in inflation. What were your thoughts? Were they within your expectations as well? My view, to distill it in a sentence, is that I think the RBA is hoping that a slowdown in global growth engineered by rate hikes from other central banks will effectively Mm. do their job for them. If you look at our inflation rate, it still remains very high compared to the rest of the world. And if you look at other indicators in in the markets around real yields and also state of shape of the yield curve in Australia, although it suggests policy is becoming tighter, real yields are still negative. We've still got a lot of signals that maybe policy is sufficiently tight from a monetary policy point of view, which says to me, I think the RBA is looking for an excuse to end rate hikes, but they're looking to a softer global backdrop feeding into weaker demand domestically to do the job for them rather than lifting the cash rate here, which is you know the way our monetary policy mechanism works, is really through the household cash flow channel and puts a lot of pressure, effectively just on mortgage holders and not much else. Um, so for me, it's a pretty risky approach because again, by the RBA's own projections, they want to see uh, inflation on a glide path that requires the CPI indicator headline and trim mean around 4.5% at the end of December. At the moment, you know, the trim mean number is around 5.3% at least by the CPI indicator in November. If it doesn't get there by the end of the year, by, by the RBO's own logic, it'll have to hike again. So we're in this really precarious balance. And I, I think the only thing that will really bring it down for sure is if the global economy slows enough to, to weaken domestic conditions so that the RBA doesn't have to hike again. All right, let's talk uh, a big development in the news lately in the oil and gas sector. Now, Australia's two largest oil and gas companies, that's Woodside Energy and Santos, they've opened talks over a potential near 80 billion Aussie dollar or about 52 billion USD merger that would almost completely consolidate Australia's LNG sector into one listed company. Now, the talks come hot on the heels of two large US deals, which were struck, of course, last month. We had Exxon as well as Chevron striking multi-billion dollar deals as well. Are we entering an era of consolidation and big money deals in the sector? Are there more mega mergers to come? What's the significance of all of this? Well, it's the consolidation that's going on um, and quite naturally because you know the, the boards of these companies have to try and plan for a future where you know in principle we're, we're not going to be using fossil fuels um, whether that be gas or crude oil that might prove to be untrue but that's certainly the way that you know a lot of these companies are, are positioning themselves effectively it becomes a question for especially a company like Santos for example how do we maximize the value of our assets for shareholders and put them in a sustainable position in the long run? And effectively, you know, given the fact that over the next, say, 10 to 20 years, it's unlikely that we're going to be seeing any sort of shift away from these uh, commodities. In fact, there might be a sort of a period of excess demand in those commodities, especially as new infrastructure, um, there's no investment in new infrastructure. Prices are high because of high demand and, and energy security issues and, and energy volatility. How are we best basically getting the value out of these assets while we have them and they, they are value-generating assets. So it's, it's an interesting situation because it makes a lot of rational sense from a sort of business point of view to consolidate these, although obviously in Australia we're going to end up with one sort of behemoth energy company, um, especially after Woodside acquired BHP's assets quite recently. The competition uh, regulators probably won't uh, like that necessarily. Mm. Um, but again, it's a very rational move from, from the boards of these companies to try and get the maximum value out of these assets for shareholders. 
And again, it just it, it speaks of of, our, of assets that are in the short term and medium term likely to be very valuable, very profitable, that will eventually run into the end of their lifespans in the not too distant future. And, and there's those sort of competing interests that have to be developed, um, have to be considered. All right, Kyle, comprehensive and insightful as always. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time. Thanks for having me again. We've been in conversation with Kyle Rodder, who's the senior financial market analyst at Capital.com. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.